too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar, and I'm just so, so happy to be back. Um, as you know, I took a seasonal hiatus to rest, so I thought it would be appropriate to kick off season two with a discussion exactly on that rest. As a culture, it's generally frowned upon, you know, from a very young age, we're taught to sacrifice sleep and rest in the name of productivity. We're conditioned to believe that it's noble to survive on minimal amounts of sleep, that it's normal to be physically and psychologically dependent on caffeine and other stimulants to function, and that rest is optional instead of a necessity. Rarely are we educated on the mental and physical toll of sleep deprivation and only learn or realize this when we crash and burn out. Rest. A bodily state characterized by minimal functional and metabolic activities. A state of motionlessness or inactivity, freedom from activity or labor, peace of mind or spirit, to cease from action or motion, to refrain from labor or exertion, or to be free from anxiety or disturbance. So today's episode features the lovely wonderful, flexible, just all around dope chick, just super versatile Kayla Butler. She is a South Florida native with a love for yoga, history, and understanding of human behavior. The combination of her curiosity and her own personal experience with mental health illness in her own family led her to pursue an education in psychology for undergraduate studies. And she then went on to earn her master's degree in aging and neuroscience from the University of South Florida. She gained her first yoga teaching experience by leading classes at a yoga retreat specifically for Black women in Costa Rica, and that it was there that she learned more about decolonization and inclusivity. The experience in the Caribbean even led to even more doors opening to her as she's taught yoga to children and has also led uh, trauma-informed yoga to those suffering from eating and substance abuse disorders. All of her experiences ultimately led to the desire to learn more about her own experience with burnout and exhaustion and created a podcast called Lay with Kay, which serves to educate on the neuroscience of sleep and the importance of the most important routine of our lives. So thanks again for joining and let's just get right into the episode. Be well, sis. Thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited. This was the highlight of my Friday. So looking forward to this conversation. Let me tell you, I've been um, looking at this date, like since you um, scheduled for a very long time. This yes, the 31st, and we'll talk with Kay. I don't think you get it. <laughs> you do a ton of things. I just laid some of them out. I'm sure you do even more. I'd like to know a little bit about your journey. How did you get into yoga? What interests you to get your master's in neuroscience? Like all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm curious. <laughs> so neuroscience came to me because... My, on both sides of my family, my, I have someone who's afflicted with mental health disease. So on my mother's side, I had two cousins who were schizophrenic. And what was interesting was that I had a cousin who was schizophrenic who had more aggressive behaviors. So she would get really violent and angry. And then I had one cousin who was schizophrenic who was more docile. 
And my family's approach to each of these relatives was very different. So one, the, the relative who was aggressive, like they were like, oh yeah, she's crazy. Like she needs to be medicated. And then the other relative, they thought like he was pretending to do that so he could get a disability check. And something at, in me, like very young, just said, we are not supposed to have this mentality. And then as I, my, my mom took in my grandfather who had early onset dementia and then developed Alzheimer's, it became one of those things where I started to understand the nurses and the doctors who were helping him weren't black. They weren't people of color. And so I just thought to myself, like, we aren't, there aren't enough people in this space that are representative of the community that's being afflicted by it. And so I took AP psychology when I was in high school. And then once I graduated, I pursued psychology with a little minor in neuroscience. And then when I went to University of South Florida, I, put, I chose that program because they have the Bird Institute, which is this huge Alzheimer's research institute in Tampa, and just delved into that. But it really was because there was no representation. Like at the time when I was in grad school, there were maybe eight black neuroscientists. And now like a lot more black people are in the mental health space, which is amazing. Um, and I always just wanted to be that person, just like with my podcast it's, and even with yoga, it's, I've always wanted to be able to translate something that seems complex and like even esoteric. And just put it in layman's terms so we can all understand it and we can learn and we can grow and help ourselves. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, it's even though African-Americans are afflicted with neurodegenerative diseases and mental health diseases, when it comes to the language, there is a disconnect there. And we see it in primary care doctors where primary care doctors think their black patients can take on more pain or they think that they don't have to communicate certain things. It's the same thing in the psych like psychiatric space too. So it's if we are able to translate the information where we can all consume it, then we start to at least knock down some of those barriers. So that way we can really drive change. And yoga came to me through like my grandmother had passed away in 2013. She had lung cancer. And then I went straight into grad school. So <laughs> school for me is my security blanket like whenever I feel like lost or like confused I'm like I can always go back to school so, so that's always my thing <laughs> so I went back to school and even though it wasn't really the right time like my grandmother died in June and then August I was in Tampa first day of class like so it was just a it wasn't a real great time because I was still grieving and it was my first time being away from home but I had to, so because of that whole grieving process, my grades slipped and I was working full time. And so I took a leave of absence from the program and I moved into a studio apartment. And the only thing I had was an air mattress and a yoga mat. I had never touched that yoga mat before. Someone gave it to me in undergrad years ago and I never used it. But I was just like, you need something like you're here by yourself. Like you need some type of outlet. So I just started doing yoga and that was like 2014. And then I started sharing it on Instagram because <laughs> it's interesting which, with yoga on Instagram. And I love my friends who are, like you mentioned, I was flexible. I'm like, I have, a, I have my hamstring is pulled now. So I'm like, my practice is so different. But like, I remember being on Instagram as a beginner yogi. I still consider myself a beginner when it comes to certain things. But as a beginner, looking at what I saw on Instagram, I'm like, 
none of these people are like falling over. There's no like mistakes being made. You see the pretty parts of the practice. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted something that was just more authentic and clumsy, like who, like me. And so I just started sharing that so people could see, I don't always get it on the first try, but I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to show you how it evolves and we're in it together. So that kind of ballooned into where it is now. But, but yeah, like I just wanted like same thing with neuroscience and the same thing with yoga. So I wanted, I knew like we had to have someone in the space that was speaking the language that we could all understand. And I'm so grateful now, like what we see on Instagram, just more body positivity and people are just bearing like their true authentic selves and flaws and all, not just showing you the pretty parts. So sorry about your grandmother, but your story is so relatable. We get into these spaces and A, we're not really taught how to grieve. So we're taught, mm -hmm. just shake it off, keep going. Sometimes it's, you do this for your grandmother, she'd be proud. Yeah, I, I, strong black woman. Black. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we have to work as a community to allow ourselves the grace to be soft and to actually fully grieve. I have learned now that grieving is such a long process. Mm -hmm. We can't put two weeks on it and say, we're good now. Let's keep going. And that mentality is ancestral. I had this realization just listening to a conversation from Trisha Hersey, Hershey, who has the nap ministry. Yes. And she was talking about how like slavery and capitalism is one in the same. But I think about even when it comes to our grieving and self-care, right? Like on a plantation, your husband was sold off. You can be a hot mess maybe for an hour, maybe for a day, but you have to get back to work. That was exact, and that is ancestral, that's in all of us, and it's just been morphed into different forms. So now when we lose something, when we mourning, and we're dealing with secondary trauma from George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of these other hashtags and names that mm -hmm. seem to accumulate, we still feel like, oh, I can't like rest right now. I need to like pick myself up and keep going because yeah. that was what, and we always say that like, our ancestors did it. So what yes. is our excuse? But our ancestors could not do it yes. versus like where we are now. Like we can, and we can also fight in a space where we can advocate for ourselves and say, Hey, no, like I don't want to, I need to take time off to deal with, right. Or just having the agency and the courage enough to say that when you mention like how we use like that bereavement period that our jobs give us and we let our jobs dictate mm -hmm. um, how long we can grieve. It just immediately made me think about this, like what our ancestors had to endure. It's so crazy how our ancestors were captives brought here literally to work. Mm -hmm. And then when that was no longer allowed, they called us lazy. And I think to counter that narrative, we're just we, like, no, we, we just have to keep working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we think of sleep and resting and vacations as luxuries. Mm -hmm. When in fact, like, they should be very much so just part of, like, function. Like, in order for your employee to get the most out of them, you have to give them spaces where they can rest. Yeah. You have to give them spaces where they can take a break from the job. 
and vacation. You have to pay them. Like all of these things are compounded together, but you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of times, especially just in whether it's black American, African blacks, Caribbean blacks, like all of us are trying to fight against the negative stereotypes. So we take on all of these jobs and it becomes the mentality and we think sleep is a luxury Mm -hmm. and it's not like this is a biological process like that we have to we have to do it our bodies naturally will allow force us to rest yeah um and i i had this realization myself because as you get older like you don't recall things as as quickly as you used Mm -hmm. to when you were 20 But we don't really think about how these things start to impact how these things are maybe related to a sleep deprivation or a lack of sleep, right? Like we've normalized just getting six hours of rest and waking up at 5 a.m. when that might not even be your natural sleep rhythm or pattern. And we set ourselves up for failure because again, long term, if we don't get enough sleep, then we subject ourselves to our immune systems being compromised and our hearts, chronic heart disease from sleep, a lack of sleep depression, deprivation, mm-hmm. like all of these things are impacted, but we don't ever, especially I know black people, we definitely don't think, oh, I probably like this. I don't get enough rest. Like that, yeah. <laughs> you would never make that connection, but that's a huge component. And I think about just ancestry, ancestrally, historically, we just have not been able to rest. Mm-hmm. We just have not. This mm-hmm. is a people we haven't. So let's talk about aging a little bit and sleep. I feel like we really don't know that much about it besides Mm -hmm. that we need it. How does sleep deprivation impact our aging? Or just... Um, Yeah, so even just thinking about like your fellow student, your classmate, even though we might be fueling our bodies with caffeine to try and, you know, sustain the wakefulness it's like you're all of the chemical processes in the brain are still happening (laughs) so it's like the brain the hormone that makes your uh you drowsy is still increasing it's still accumulating as you are fueling your body with caffeine and it makes sense why at that point in class where he just tapped out and his body was like absolutely not like nothing can wake me up because, um, and that's like sleep spindles, which actually people who, these little like things, little waves that we see on the EEG and people who have strong sleep spindles are oftentimes the ones who can't be woken up. But the brain is like trying to process all of the information that has just been taken in. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes sense why it's okay, nope, we gotta shut this off. Like we gotta recalibrate, reset. But when it relates back to aging, right? So not, like I mentioned before, touched on sleep deprivation leads to a compromised immune system. It, you know, impacts your memory. And then also too, like the hormones that are related to stress, like cortisol, what happens when you're stressed out, you eat unhealthily. And just all of those things are compacted with just unhealthy habits. You're not working out as much. You're, you know, like just not as active. You don't feel physically good. And all of those things can relate to just age-related decline or exacerbate pre-existing issues. So if you are diabetic, if you are susceptible to any cardiac diseases, then that's just exacerbating the problem. Mm -hmm. But then also, too, um, because there's a repair mechanism happening in the brain when we are sleeping, these little genes that are called telomeres. Mm -hmm. So naturally they shorten over time with age. All of those factors that I talked about before, the unhealthy diets, the increase in cortisol, the lack of sleep, 
all of those things, they start to shorten the telomeres. Mm -hmm. So then people, because we have all of these other metabolic issues going on, we, you know, shorten our lives essentially. And I always talk about this study, um, the Greek study, I always bring it up because Harvard actually looked at these populations of people who stopped napping, like napping. <laughs> people don't even care. We, we let kids nap, but like adults were like, absolutely not. In European countries, they take siesta and they have their rest periods. But the people who like kept practicing siesta, the people who lived in those Greek islands, they were they lived well into their 90s without any cardiac issues without any real major memory deficit um but the people who were who weren't napping who abandoned that siesta practice they were six times more likely to develop heart disease even though they didn't have a prior history of it and so it's just like all of these things that we don't really consider but like they all like everything at all is integrated and works together. And that's why it's just so important for us to, because we have agency now, like just, we can be our own best advocates and, yeah. you know, get our rest. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember you actually did, I don't know if it was your Instagram story. I think it was. And you were talking about sleep and athletes. Mm -hmm. And I have a five-year-old who thinks he's just a big boy who needs to nap anymore. And I had, <laughs> I watched your stories and then I had him watch with me because he wants to be an NFL player. Mm -hmm. And you were describing how the ones who, the athletes who take naps perform better. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh, that inspired him to, okay, maybe I should nap. And mm -hmm. I'm grateful because mm -hmm. he doesn't sleep. My God, we all pay for it in this house. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah, and so when I like even learned about that myself, Usain Bolt, like before he set these world records, like he was napping. Mm -hmm. It's like it just like little things like that where it's like it's okay for us to take pauses and, and breaks in our lives. Like we're not designed to operate eight and nine hours straight. Yep. I'm not even gonna say twenty-four hours, but even just the standard work mm -hmm. time that we all do, it's we are not designed to operate that way. Like all of us know what it's like to tap out, like when you're in a meeting or really feel fatigued after you have worked for so long, you can no longer focus. And that's, just, again, like that's a natural rhythm. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It doesn't mean that you can't focus. It doesn't mean that you need more caffeine. It just means that you need to honor what's actually happening and mm -hmm. let yourself rest. Again, it just goes back to, anytime I think about that, it's just, it goes back to the plantation. Slaves worked if the 18, 19 hour days, sometimes yeah. even longer after slavery was abolished, like who is going to do the work? Factory workers, like mm -hmm. industrialization was happening. Those people worked 12 to 14 hours. The eight hour workday really didn't come until the 19th century. Mm -hmm. But even so, like it was only for railroad workers. <laughs> but the mentality of t is to work like a machine mm -hmm. and we are not designed to work like that i always think about just how inspired i am and just how proud i am of our generation because we're mm -hmm. doing things a little bit differently and it's uncomfortable a lot of times because we don't know what we're doing and because we've been we're going against the grain of what we've been taught so our elders oftentimes don't agree with us so mm -hmm. i'm just so inspired by just the change that we're trying to make. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I think about how we live in the U.S., right? And capitalism rules everything. Mm -hmm. And how do we 
really embrace and adopt like listening to those cues like this 40 hour 50 hour work week really does not suit me and how Mm -hmm. do we like still survive and thrive in this type of a situation I, I feel like I have these thoughts a lot yeah So fortunate enough, now some companies like Nike and Google have adapted, have allowed employees to make their schedules according to their own circadian rhythm. So like whatever, yeah, like whatever their natural sleep pattern is, they're not going to be asking someone who's a night owl to wake up at 5 a.m. Like like they have been progressive in that to start to incorporate that for their employees. But I think if we could gauge if you did your own self-study for yourself and you said all right when I only get six hours of consistent sleep because I have to wake up at 8 a.m to be here at work or sometimes you have to wake up earlier than that so you can fight traffic and blah 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 if you did your own self-study where you said this is what happens when I have six hours of sleep here's my productivity Mm -hmm. this is what I was able to produce versus what I'm able to produce when I get nine hours of rest and being able to show employers that Mm. I think can make a world of a difference because then it's your for them, because just think we live in a capitalist society. So it's all about money. So at the end of the day, they want to be able to get the most yield, the most product, the most benefit Mm -hmm. out of you at the least amount of cost to them. So it's, if you allow me to even, if you allowed me to clock in at work at 10 a.m., if you allowed me to come in at work at 11 a.m., hey, I noticed that I'm a night owl. It takes me, I need, I feel most productive right at this 10 a.m. time. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like just being able to notice those things and use it in a consumable num- numerical way so they understand. But if you allow me to adapt this schedule, you will be spending less when it comes to your insurance payouts. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't have to be getting like all of these different things throughout mm-hmm. the week. I would be probably taking less time off because I'm able to produce more. Mm-hmm. So it's just imagine if you could get your stuff done in three days versus five. Yeah. Like just even all of those things. But again, like examining like how productive you are, like looking at really gauging like the percentages and seeing. I'm a lot more productive when I'm able to do this, when I get this amount of sleep versus this one Mm -hmm. and putting that into numbers and presenting that to your employer and saying, Hey, like this is over time. This is going to cost you guys a lot less money when it comes to insurance and all of these other things. So that way you guys can get the most out of me and Mm -hmm. I can get the most out of the job. Um, That's super smart. That's such a good idea. mm -hmm. Cause like you said, dollars and cents, what they care about. So an employer has an expectation of their employees and you have an expectation of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like at the end of the day, you should be providing the employer should be providing a safe and functional work environment for you. Mm -hmm. And if it is not safe for you to get up, rouse yourself up at 5 a.m. to get all of the things you need to get done before you have to get out of the door, go into traffic and start work and then you are starting work and it takes you another hour to really get in your groove <laughs> like all of these things it's what is most advantageous for you and them because mm-hmm. it really is a relationship like that yeah. with employer employee mm-hmm. and it's we so often take jobs and we just 
do the job, but it's how, look at your employee, instead of just signing the company culture guideline book and the policies and procedures, read it and yeah. like really understand where you have agency and autonomy over your body and your decisions to say, hey, like, I, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Is there any way that we can make some changes? Some Because I know even when I was working at Fabletics, I was working uh, two jobs in addition to Fabletics. And I told them, mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, I can't, I teach yoga. I need to be able to show up for my students I, and I have to be here. But do you mind like allowing me a two hour time period before I clock in. Like they had me scheduled for three. I asked them to schedule me at five. I'm like, I finished with my students at one thirty. Mm-hmm. If I had an hour to get a nap, like it would make a world of a difference. And I come into work, I'll be less aggravated. <laughs> um, and a little bit more nicer. And they agreed to it. Like they just agreed to it. Cause I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to be, and I wasn't there for a long time. That's a retail job. Mm-hmm. I'm not making a whole lot of money. Um, I was there maybe six months and I'm mm-hmm. asking them like, listen, this is what I'm doing. This is what I need from y'all. Can you work with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they're like, oh, I don't know. If they're like, oh, we got to hire. Okay, we'll hire somebody. Hire. You want me to help you? I know people <laughs> jobs. I need this for me. I need the job. You all need the, em- yeah. the, the employer the employee. So let's work together. And I find that people appreciate the transparency and Mm -hmm. it takes guts and it takes nerve to to speak up for yourself. And I've realized this in um, dealing with people now, that's really appreciated Mm -hmm. because a lot of us, to your point, just sign that book and keep it moving. And that's what you want from me. Yeah. And we go... We go in there angry, we go in there annoyed, aggravated, and who is that really serving? Like it does, it definitely doesn't serve you. Mm-hmm. Your heart rate is elevated, your blood pressure is up, somebody comes in, they annoy you, now you're increasing cortisol levels. If we mm-hmm. thought about everything that happens to us biologically, like we yeah. probably would refrain from doing a lot of things that we just let slide. Mm-hmm. But you know, like it just doesn't, it's not worth it. For us to shorten the years on our lives, it doesn't, it's not emotionally worth it for us to be angry or to be stressed out all of the time and to allow that to be our normal. Um, We have to like take more care of ourselves because it's you, like your, your most important relationship is with you. Yes. And like, whether you're a parent or not, like your kids depend on you. So Mm -hmm. you have to be healthy. You have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I look at my own mom, it's like my mom worked two and three jobs, but like in her off time, like her self-care routine was impeccable. She was yeah. getting massages. She was getting facials. She was working out. And I remember kids used to see her doing jazzercise in our window and they used to be making fun of my mom. They would make fun of her. Ah, like you could tell what your mama doing with her little step aerobics. I can't. I'm like, whatever. But I look at me seeing that just was a model for me yeah. to do the same thing in my adult life and then I knew that she took care of herself and children it's not always what you say it's what you do they model a thousand percent yeah yeah so being able if you're a parent and showing your kids all of that and telling letting them know like baby I need to rest Mm -hmm. and I need to you know have some time to like 
decompress and even just maybe even explaining to them what's actually happening. But yeah, like I mentioned before, if we looked at everything that every reaction, whether it's with our employer, with our family, our friends, our significant others, from a biological process, like what's happening in my body, because mm-hmm. we, we often ignore those signals. Yeah. So if we looked at it from that kind of lens and understood how impactful it all is, I think we would be moving and operating in totally different ways. Definitely. We, we minimized everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's a coping mechanism. Like it's Absolutely. not a big deal just to stay somewhat sane. But to your point, like every little thing matters and it counts. We, unfortunately, we as a uh, community, we suffer the worst outcomes in just about every disease category. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is some stuff that we can have some control over. To your point, like getting the proper amount of rest and mm-hmm. advocating for ourselves. We're just out of practice because we were just used to being told what to do and being given scraps. So mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't feel natural to stand up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I feel like I learned to stand up for myself and I'm still work in progress. It's, it's, um, it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. not even a marathon. A mar- I just listened to a conversation where someone was like, uh, a marathon gives you inclination that there is an end point. Yeah. But like, this is a journey. And even too, like when I'm mentioning, I just had a conversation with my therapist where I told her, I feel like I just started to find my voice mm-hmm. and starting to speak up for myself. Like it's a journey for us. It's not, it's, it does, there's no end point. We're going to always constantly be learning. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things that I, I struggled with that in the beginning, because I thought for me, wellness was like, I'm going to consistently like work out and consistently eat well. Like I become this person to your point is I'm always becoming I might take one step forward 10 steps back and then you just start that all over again and eventually you'll hit some milestones and you become part of your routine but like you said it's a lifelong process to mm-hmm. find your voice keep your voice and uh, it's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that's where like yoga is so yoga for me is so um, great because it's all encompassing Oftentimes, like the perception is just, oh, you can do pretty poses, you can do a handstand, backbend, but really it's a lifelong practice. And as a yogi, I have made a commitment to be a student for the remainder of the years that I have on earth. So like adapting that mentality, because it's not just, I'm just a student on the mat or like in the hot room in the yoga studio, I'm a student of life. Everything is a learning point for me, whether I'm sitting in traffic I thought about like I when I went to Trader Joe's and um like where's my mind right now? I'm thinking about am I in a rush? Do I want these gladiolas? Do I need the flowers? Like this <laughs> all of these things that I'm absorbing, but I'm also learning from the people around me. Oh, this person is in a rush or this person is moving slow. And just understanding like everything that's happening around me, I'm like making a point to look at the sky and take all of that in and give myself space to just be. You know, if I'm driving in my car and even when I got back home, I'm like, I got to do this. So it's just, okay, Kayla, like you chose to wait at this hour to go and do all your errands. And now you're trying to rush back, like just constantly checking in. And it's the same thing with yoga. Like 
Yoga, when you're on that mat, you are constantly checking in. Oh, it's hot in here. The teacher's talking too much. I'm trying to get into this pose. This is hard. I'm not flexible. I'm not sure. You have all of this dialogue happening. And I think when we, like, as yogis, when we step off of the mat, like, sometimes we forget. It just like all of the other things we've normalized. We've normalized, like, when our heart rate gets elevated and blood pressure starts to rise and we notice that we start to get a little bit more anxious, but we've normalized and just dismiss it yeah. versus like, where is this coming from? What is this trying to teach me? What is this, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. And if, but like I said, if you look at everything from a biological process, you would probably move differently. But think about even as a, a, a baby, the, uh, they're amazed by forks. They're amazed yeah. by little boxes and piece, crumpled pieces of paper. If we looked at life just like how they do through that lens, and again, we have all of this knowledge anyway from what we've learned, but looking at everything as if it's something to be taught Mm -hmm. and approaching life as if you really are a student, like I'm here to learn. I don't know everything. I'm just going to learn and absorb and, and share when I feel like there's wisdom that needs to be shared, but I'm observing and I want to listen and all of that and your whole night so i'm going to ask you two <laughs> questions okay. uh, so the first question is if you have any book that you can recommend it could be about anything at all what would it be right now because i'm reading i'm that person that now has become that person that's reading six books at a time <laughs> I'm literally looking at like what i have under my, my laptop when it relates to sleep mm-hmm. I will recommend the, this book is called Why We Sleep um, by Matthew Walker. And he does a really good job of speaking in layman's terms and explaining the reasoning behind sleep and why it's so important. And then just given the times, I would tell people to read Healing Racial Trauma. Mm-hmm. It's not only just for Black people, um, but it's for everybody to develop an understanding. I think for us with racial battle fatigue where we don't really understand how impactful it is even though it's not as for us it's like a fight that we have to fight every day as black women but it still feels okay things are starting to calm down um so like how do we prepare ourselves for like when it there's an uptick again mm. um or like when you do read that news and uh you see what's happening in portland or you see what's happening somewhere else like how do you deal with all of that so i think healing racial trauma i forget the name of the author but it's a black woman but that book is so uh i think it's necessary for right now and she also does a really good job of explaining all of the different types of trauma and just understanding it from a grand view for everybody to read. I want people to share their joy. I feel like it's so important for us to actively go out and seek joy. So Mm -hmm. if you have anything that you can share that's made you happy in the last week or made you smile, please do. Please share. (laughs) So this has brought me joy. Like I said, this was the highlight. And I'm not just saying that because it's the cute thing to say, but I have been so cognizant because my mother has falls in the vulnerable population for COVID. I've been very cognizant of how I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going out and dining and things like that. So when I am able to connect in these kind of ways and have these conversations, it really brings me a lot of joy 
I had a FaceTime conversation with Rebecca, my best friend yesterday, and we were reminiscing on things that happened in high school and the conversation, it was just so nice to like, just be able to connect with her. And then Monday I taught a class to the survivors, the student survivors from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, that tragic shooting that happened on Valentine's day um, here in Florida where 17 kids were killed. I was able to teach a yoga class to those survivors. Um, They're now in their junior years, but even just being able to connect with them, it was Zoom, Mm -hmm. but being able to connect with them was meaningful to see, to hear from young people in their perspectives and to understand that there are still some really great things happening um, in the world, even though it seems like it's just chaotic and a hot mess. But even it's, there are like good things happening where people are getting their cups filled and all of these things even there's still light in the darkness and being able to shift your perspective on that and I hope it encourages people like just listening to us like reach out to your friends yeah call them FaceTime them Zoom do it all like just have the the conversations and connect because you don't even know what you might be doing for them. And then you like get that high from that connection. Yeah. Thousand, thousand percent. I agree. Thank you so much. I don't think you understand how, like, I'm just so happy this conversation happened. I've been looking forward to this for weeks now. So thank (laughs) you. I appreciate your time. This was a good, this was a really good ending to a, a rough couple weeks so thank you I appreciate you thank um, you and we gotta it's always a shit show I say that mm-hmm. it's always a shit show before it like shines like <laughs> I think so <laughs> yeah, like, and I try to like keep that mentality like too because it's like my weeks have been like like a roller coaster like I have real great highs and then I'm like ah. right um, <laughs> know it like that's what like keeps me like like, when our ancestors were looking at that north star it's okay yes i'm i'm aiming for something yes we gotta get there (laughs) (laughs) you are amazing so where can the people find you (laughs) um follow me on instagram at spread love s-p-r-d-l-o-v-e Please follow the podcast. It's on Apple, Google, um, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. It's called Lay With K. Same thing on Instagram, Lay With K. All of the sleep information that you probably didn't know um, is there. And I'm dropping an episode this week. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And vote if you have. But yeah, like you can find me on Instagram and yeah, come say hi, follow. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will have everything in the show notes. Listen to her podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, guys. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time. Be well, sis.